Welcome to Faithbrook Church. My name is Eric, and I'm the next-gen pastor here at Faithbrook. And we're so glad that you could come and join us in worship today. If you're newer here, we would love to connect with you. And so if you're here in person, and you could grab one of these blue cards in the chairs in front of you and drop them in one of the boxes as you're leaving the worship center. Or if you're joining us online, you can fill out an online connection card at faithbrook.church connect. Faithbrook's vision is to become a healthy, vibrant, spirit-guided church that impacts our community and the world. And one of the ways that we are trying to accomplish that mission is through Operation Christmas Child. Operation Christmas Child is an organization that brings gifts to kids all around the world for Christmas and shares the message of Jesus with them. Last year, we were able to pack 55 shoe boxes, and we're setting a goal of packing 75 for this upcoming year. We'll begin collecting items starting October 15th, with the last day to collect being November 5th. You can either bring completed shoe boxes or individual items that the youth and level up students will be packing. You can grab a list after service, or you can go online at faithbrook.church to see a list. We hope you will join us in sharing God's love to children around the world. Well, let's welcome Pastor Jim as we continue our series, Game Plan. Have you ever had a dream before? Maybe you were younger and uh, you were aspiring to do something. Well, that happened to me when I was probably in junior high. I was kind of a sports kid, and uh, I started um, wanting to be a high school football player. Uh, my sisters were older, and once in a while, my parents would let us go up to the local uh, high school football game on Friday nights. The lights were on, the band was playing, and I got enamored by how those football players were introduced. They would run through the cheerleaders and spray through the banner, and someone was on the PA announcer and starting offensive guard or running back, and they'd say their name, and I was like, that is the coolest thing I've ever seen in my life. I was probably a seventh grader, eighth grader, and I was like, man, I want to be one of those guys that run out on the field and their name's announced, and so I did all I could to, to inspire to be that, that football player, and, and I started in my career. I, I realized I didn't have a really best last name for a football player. Uh, people tell me today, oh, isn't it awesome? You're, you have the perfect name for a pastor. They tell me that all the time. It's like, man, that wasn't really good in high school football. Let me tell you, man, it's not very tough, Mr. Comfort, right? Uh, but I did my best. And as I got up in high school, I realized, man, I wasn't the fastest. I wasn't the strongest or the biggest uh, kid. And, and I probably might not meet my dream of uh, being introduced and running out there as first string football player. Um, what should I do about that? I didn't even think about having a game plan. Well, this is our series this fall here at Faithbrook. So glad that you have uh, coming today. Uh, maybe you're watching us online. Welcome. This might be your second time, first time to kind of shop in churches. Hey, at Faithbrook here, we're all about loving God, loving people, and journeying together. We like to take the gospel, just make it really practical. And uh, did you know that God has a game plan for you? And his game plan is good for you. When we look at the scriptures, we find that God has a heart for you. Uh, when we kicked this off, we looked at Jeremiah 29 that says that, that I have a plan for you not to harm you, 
but to give you a future and give you a hope. It's just who God is in our lives, that his plan is good for us. Now, last week, we talked about the need to have a defensive game plan because we know that the evil one out there, he has a game plan for you. He wants to steal, kill, and destroy, and he wants to get you off of God's amazing purpose for your life. And so we found a game plan. We found some strategies from Christ himself as he was under attack from the evil one, being tempted. And so we learned some tools. We learned some strategies to defend against temptations, to defend against the one that wants to uh, want us to compromise and be destroyed. Yeah, we saw Jesus uh, uh, name it and tame it when he was under attack. We saw Jesus come to the conclusion that he was going to choose God no matter what. For this day, I will serve the Lord only. And he always leveraged the word. He always had some scriptures and to repel back the temptations and the strategies of the evil one. Well, this morning, we kind of want to focus in on the offensive game plan. What do we do with dreams? What do we do with ambitions? What do we do with some goals that maybe have been placed in our life? Do you have any goals? Do you have any hopes and wishes that you could accomplish? Maybe you, you might be a student. It's like, well, I'd like to make that certain team or that certain choir. Maybe you'd like to win something in your life. Maybe you're inspiring to say, you know, I'd like to have some kind of degree or a career, maybe like a, make, make a little bit of money. Maybe, maybe your dream is to be a great parent, a, a, a great mom. Maybe it's to start a business or a, a nonprofit to, to go up against something. Maybe as simple as something like, you know, I, I got a dream boat or a dream trip that someday I would like to go on. Does that surprise you that individuals might have some <clears throat> aspirations, some goals in their life. It doesn't surprise me because if we see the word of God, we see that God places unique things into our life. I, I love Ephesians 2, 10, that we are all made in, in God's image. We are his workmanship, it says, to do good things. So God is hoping to place some things in your life that you would do some good things that would ultimately glorify him. We look at Romans 12, and, and down deep in that chapter, there's all kinds of different giftings and strengths that different people have. And so it doesn't surprise us if God calls you and uses your strengths and your giftedness to do some amazing things. Acts 2, it says that in the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all the people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. In other words, they'll be, they'll be preaching, telling the good news. The young men will see visions and the old men will dream dreams. Do you think even in our older age, we can still have some dreams and have some goals that God places on our life? Now for me, I never saw myself as a big leader. I never saw myself as a visionary. I was just your ordinary kid trying to make a first string at my local high school, right? But somewhere in my high school, <clears throat> I gave my life to Christ. And God started doing some incredible things in my life and transforming it. And I became a big fan of Christ. As I got up into college and I was going to a secular university, uh, the people around me didn't know anything about Christ. Their lives were broken. They were far from God. And something started crawling up inside of me uh, that, that they needed to know about Jesus Christ. 
that Christ makes life better and makes us better at life. And who could share that? And probably a calling started creeping up on me, but I never saw myself as a, a minister. But I started visualizing a church, a, a place that <clears throat> was authentic, uh, surrendered, diehard Christians that would raise up a, a place where they can invite their friends and that it would be uh, relevant and, and penetrating to their souls and it makes sense that, that it could even impact the culture of the day. I didn't know what to do with that. I just kind of pressed on into my, my vocation and my degree. But we have to look at if we have some kind of dreams, some things that we'd like to desire, where do we go to get the strategies? Is there a game plan out there in the Bible? Well, there's a lot of different places we could look at, but I, I'm going to take your attention to a long-lost little Psalms in the book of Songs, number 37. I know you just studied that last week, uh, but this is where we're going to call our attention to about God's game plan um, to pursue dreams, to treat some, uh, pursue some goals. Now, if you go to the Psalms book of Psalms, it's, it's a little different uh, in fact, um, the, the powers of be placed three poetic books in the middle of the Old Testament. Most of the Old Testament is all about the journey of Israel. Uh, and these three books, and the biggest of the books is Psalms. It's 150 chapters. It's kind of complicated. There's different uh, authors. But it's a collection of prayers, of poems, of of thoughts, even songs themselves, different authors. And 37 is written by King David. He, he wrote a lot of the Psalms. He was a musician, songwriter. And so we see in 37, King David is kind of, of reflecting. He's kind of writing out a game plan for, for dreams and objectives and, and goals. Uh, David's been around the block. He's seen a lot. He's been through wars. He's had some setbacks. He's had some amazing accomplishments. And so he's, now he's going to be writing out some advice, if you will, in his older age. Uh, and I would encourage you to uh, maybe take a notepad out or your phone and take some notes. If you're kind of looking at a strategy, a game plan to achieve and to pursue some goals and some dreams that God has placed on your heart. So we see in the first verses, David says, Do not fret because of those who are evil or be envious of those who do wrong. For like the grass, they will soon wither. Like green plants, they will soon die away. Oh, David had some competition. Uh, evidently, there were some other kings, there were other empires, and they seemed to be uh, succeeding. They seemed to be flourishing, right? And all of a sudden, we have these emotions that were a little envious. envious. Have, you, have you ever found yourself kind of frustrated that your, see, your dream doesn't seem to be uh, being accomplished by the next person? And, and these people, they don't even seem to care about God uh, or, or follow God, but yet everything's coming together for them. Uh, their career and their money and their life and their families looking really great, right? While yours might be struggling. And all of a sudden we are fretting. We might be playing with a little bit of envy going on, but I would submit to you that King David started using his defensive game plan when he started identifying, hey, there's a, a thoughts of envy here going on, some, some worry. And so he started asking the, the, this question, you know, what is the truth? What is the truth? And the truth is that a lot of times dreams and people come and go. There are times that, boy, everything's looking green and rosy. But the next year, 
things are, are destroyed and go away. Ultimately, you can be big and bad and, and awesome, but one day we will all pass away. And all day, one day we will face a holy God. And what do we do with the things that we didn't even um, run by God or care about his, his will? And David is, is speaking that and sharing that. But in the next couple of verses, he kind of gives us an outline of some components to, to achieve our dreams, the goals that God has placed on our life. For instance, the next verse, verse 3, he says, Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and enjoy safe pastures. The key word there is trust in the Lord. Did you know that in the Bible, the word trust is seen about 158 times, while the word faith is seen around 200 times? Because faith and trust go hand in hand. You have to have faith to trust God. And if you're trusting God, then you are exercising faith. Now, Hebrews, a Hebrews writer says that faith is a confidence of what we hope for and the assurance about what we do not see. We have this confidence. We have this trust. Even though we don't know for sure or have seen it materialize, we're going to believe. We're going to have faith and trust in God. But do you think trusting God with your dream, with, with your hope, your desires is easy? Do you think it's easy to have faith when, when all our life we'd like to have control? We, we'd like to see it tangibly, that we need to know some markers and, and then we can trust. But here God says, no, I want you to just trust me. I want you to just live almost blindly believing that I got this thing handled. We'll see it through. One of the quotes that um, inspire me, it's written in my planners by Charles Stanley. And this is what he says, trusting God means looking beyond what you can see to what God sees. That's helped me. Because a lot of times what I can see is obstacles. What I can see is defeats. What I can see is circumstances that don't line up. But trusting God means to see what God sees. And God sees farther. He knows all things. And so can I stand down and have faith in him and trust in him? Now, David says, meanwhile... While you're trusting God, enjoy the journey. Dwell in the land uh, and enjoy these safe pastures. So many times we're so consumed with the dream, right? We're so consumed with these goals and we have to achieve and we're stressing out and fretting. And here God's like, hey, trust me in this. Relax, go out in your pasture and and, and do good, right? Uh, Have a, a great day. It reminds me of the strategy a couple of weeks ago. We talked about how do we take on everyday life? What is our game plan for everyday life? And we had a wonderful little roadmap out of Micah 9.8 that says, Act justly, love mercy, walk humbly with your God. Can you imagine that? If we made it our daily game plan to say, you know, I'm going to live responsible. I'm going to act justly. I'm going to uh, give out kindness and mercy, and I'm going to be a humble person and walk with our God. So trust in the Lord is the first component to accomplishment and, and pursuing our goals that God lays on us. Number two, he says in the next verse, take delight in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Take delight in the Lord. And then it says, then he will give you desires of your heart. 
Well, um, some of you know that the, the Minnesota Twins finally won a playoff uh, game. It's been 19 years, yes, uh, the last time the Twins had a victory in the playoffs. Can you believe that? So last week when they accomplished that, uh, some people were asking, uh, what were you doing in 2004 when the last time they won a, a playoff game? And, and I was thinking, 2004, what was I doing? What were you doing in 2004? It's been a long time since they won a playoff game, right? And, and I said, well, we moved up here in 2001, and we, we um, were pastor of this wonderful church in Osseo, and uh, the people were good. And, and in 2004, uh, I don't know where I got this book, but somebody gave me this book. And, I, and in that year, I was reading this book, The Dream Giver by Bruce Wilkerson. And how God a lot of times lays things on our hearts that are bigger than what we could do ourselves. There's going to be some giants in the land. But he gives us dreams. And privately and secretly, I was just thinking about the vision of that church and, and what God was doing and could do it. And some of you know that our story, they were kind of tucked away back in this little town of Osseo. It's kind of known for kind of a senior area. And they've been back there for 80 years. And um, things were going pretty good. But Man, the, the burn in my heart was like, boy, we could do so much greater if people could find us. Our facilities were aged. We only had 16 parking spots. But man, this would be an incredible, scary journey if we relocated, where people could uh, see us and we were accessible. And, and hopefully, maybe we could put ourselves right in the middle of a neighborhood that reached the next generation. And, and man, it was a scary thought because they just built a new sanctuary eight years before that, and, and, and uh, they were comfortable. And for the new guy to think about moving the church and selling it and all that risk and the sacrifice, I just kept it to myself, but it kept germinating. And I'd kind of leak it out and kind of talk to the leaders and say, hey, man, would you pray with me? Maybe God has something bigger than what we can imagine. Maybe God wants our reach and, and our impact to be greater than just tucked back here in this little town here. Could, could you pray about that? And, and that dream started coming alive to go farther. But man, a lot of times it takes a lot of conditioning. It takes a lot of maturing. And we see this in this scripture when the promise here is conditional. I, he will give you the desires, but first you have to take delight in the Lord. Now, what does that word delight mean? Have you ever seen like a, uh, a couple that are uh, romantically in love with each other? Are they not delighting in each other, right? There is a joy. There is some spunk there. They want to be around each other. They want to listen to each other, right? They're really good friends. And this is what God is pursuing for us, that we would delight in him because he delights in us. Could I suggest that a lot of times, uh, Christians a lot of times, don't delight in the Lord? They see it as a, a drudgery, right? Oh, my goodness, we got to go to church. Oh, oh we got to pray. And man, I know we're supposed to read the Bible, but that's such a time a hassle. And, and there's no delight. And then we wonder, well, why isn't God on our side? Why aren't we seeing things open? Uh, where is this, this force behind us? Because we haven't delighted ourselves in God. And when we delight ourselves in God, something happens. We start hearing God's heart. We start knowing his will. And before you know it, he starts guiding us and giving us insight in that relationship. 
See, if you take some time and, and you read the word of God, you'll see some incredible insights. For instance, John 15 talked about the branch and the vine. And Jesus tells the disciples, hey, guys, I'm going to be leaving you, but here's some secret sauce here. He says in, in verse um, uh, 7, he says, if you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it shall be done. There's this partnership. Later in chapter 15, talks about that I want to call you friends. I want to be in so in love with you and you in love with me that we are delighting in, the, in each one of us, that we know each other's hearts. See, a lot of times, um, we don't want to know God's hearts. And, and a lot of times, we, we, we realize that God doesn't bless people who are not asking his favor or asking his heart. So a lot of times, when we're delighting in God, we're asking, hey, what is your will in this? I have some thoughts. I have some dreams. Uh, what do you think about this? Would this enhance your kingdom? Is there any way that, that this would be a blessing? And maybe it's a no. I, I don't know, but I'd like to know because I delight in you and I love you and you're first in my life. And all of a sudden he, he's downloading his thoughts and there's a meshing, right? And, and dreams start coming alive because we're delighting and he's delighting in you. I know a, a business person that just uh, was starting his career and, and doing well, and there was a heart that, that maybe, maybe God could prosper him. And, and if he ever had some reach, and if he ever had some income, that they, they promised that they just made a pact with God, God, uh, that you want us to be generous. You want us to help uh, other people. And some of these missionaries and pastors, they, they, they don't have much money, and so we're going to kind of make a pact that, that every income raise you give us uh, or bonus, uh, uh, the it's also going to be spilled over to the people that we are sponsoring. And if we get a percentage raise, then the income or the, the sponsorship we're giving to them is going to get the same exact income. And God has prospered them. God has helped them because they are enmeshed. They're delighting because they, they ask for insight of what they do with their dream and their goals and their strengths. So there's trusting God with the dream. There's delighting in God. And then thirdly, commit, David said, commit your ways to the Lord. Trust in him and he will do this. He will make your righteousness rewards shine like the dawn, your vindication like the noonday sun. But it's all about committing to the Lord. The, the, the word commit means that we're going to let it go. We're going to give it to God. Uh, in other words, we're going to surrender the dream to him. And this can be difficult because we want to hold on to the dream. Uh, probably the hardest part. Uh, this is going to take a spiritual decision to lay it down to God. God, I, I believe uh, this is a desire. Maybe it comes from you. Um, I sure would like to have it. I'd like to go there and have this and do this. And, and, and But I got to give it to you. Let it go. I, I, I know how I did this, but I learned this lesson early in that little football dream. It became um, my senior year. It was my last year to accomplish this goal, to, to be introduced and make the first string in my football. And I went to a large um, high school, and like I said, I wasn't the biggest and the baddest, and, and so uh, two days were coming up, and uh, I went up to the high school stadium. I was all alone, and I went and sat in the bleachers, and I just had a prayer time with God. And, uh, and uh, he knew my heart, um, and I knew that it was at risk, good chance that maybe, <laughs> because I knew the other players, I knew where I kind of ranked, and it's probably not going to happen, but 
I remember in those the, bleachers of just praying to God and said, God, I'm going to give you this dream. I commit. Here's the deal, God, that no matter what happens, uh, I'm going to play my hardest. I'm going to knock some heads off, man, and I'm going to have some grit. And, but I'm going to live authentically. Those players, are, a lot of them are, are ungodly, and I'm going to do my best to, uh, they can count on me. Um, that, and then I'm going to live as, as righteously as I can and, and, and go for it. And sure enough, the, the season started, and sure enough, I, I was in first string. The lights went up. Uh, people ran on the, the, the field, and my name wasn't announced. And sure enough, I, I was disappointed. Privately, secretly, I was just like, wow, that's not coming alive. That, that didn't work out, right? But God wanted more in my life than my fame and my glory, right? He wanted my righteousness to develop and to go forward. And we see in the scripture that he will make your righteousness reward shine like the dawn. Now, if you've ever seen the dawn, it's not super bright. It's not uh, super impacting or hot or warm. But, but sometimes it's just uh, orangey. Sometimes there's clouds covering and it. it's just, you know it's coming, but it's just not being totally formed. And that's a lot like our heart. That in the journey, in the pursuit, that God wants to grow us and mold us. Because God's more interested in the righteousness than the fame or the prosperity or the, uh, or the ease or pleasure he, we can have in, on our life. Because God has an agenda for our life. And a lot of times it's our righteousness or our character. And here's something for you, that your character is more important to God than your dream. Your character is more important to God than your dream. And watch this. To God, your character is the dream. To God, your character is the dream. So what? You have a bunch of trophies. So what? You got all kinds of accolades and you got all kinds of successes. But where's your heart? That's God's dream. And a lot of times he will put you through some journeys. He'll put you through some processes to grow your heart. Just like the sun is growing. One day it'd be vindicated. One day it's going to be a hot noon sun. But right now it has to grow. Sometimes we get frustrated why God doesn't show up and really move the people we really love. You know, there's, there's a lot of Christians that, that are praying for their kids or their grandkids. Uh, they've tried to model Christ, but there's been some offspring, some relatives that don't care about Christ, don't go to church, and they've been praying. And sometimes so frustrating, hey, God, we know it's your will that you want everyone to come to you. Why isn't that happening? Well, can I give you a little theology here? There's one thing that God will never do. God will never force anyone to follow him. It's called free will. And from the very beginning, what separated humans from the mammals is that humans have a soul. We have a spirit. We have a conscience. It's called love. Love is a choice. You can't force someone to love something or someone. It has to crawl up within them to say, I choose to love you because I want to love you. This was God's goal from the very beginning. And he gave Adam and Eve, he gave human nature a heart that says, I will not push back. It's easier for God to move literally mountains than to cross that line to force people to follow him and do what's right. We wonder why there's so much um, harm and evil in our world because God has given humans the choice to harden their heart. 
and say no to the Holy Spirit and no to the things of God. And before they know it, they're acting on behalf of the devil almost, right? Because God cannot. Now, will God speak to people? Absolutely. Can we still pray for our loved ones that our goal, that they, they, would, they would come to know Christ and follow the ways, maybe their parents or their grandparents? Absolutely. Does he use the Holy Spirit to convict? Absolutely. But he still gives them the choice to say yes or no to Christ. So Christ wants us to trust him with our goals. He wants us to delight in him, to know his will. And he also wants us to be still, to be still before the Lord, David said, and wait patiently for him. Anybody here, a patient person, anybody okay with just slowing down and being okay, whatever time God has for our, our dreams and goals and hopes in our life. I've learned through my years that God answers prayers in three ways. You maybe have heard this before. God answers yes, no, or wait. Yes, no, or wait. And we love it when God says yes, right? He opens doors. Good things start happening, man. There's accomplishments. We're like, yes, yes, yes. Praise God. Hopefully we give him the, 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 the glory and we're living large and living life. Amen, yes. But sometimes God says no. And that's really hard for us. This is where faith, this is where trusting comes into play. We have to trust God's heart that he might know better for us. We have to trust God's wisdom. Maybe he sees some things that we don't see. And he's in the long run, he's working things out. We have to trust his track record. Has he been faithful in the past? Has he bailed people out and been merciful and, and been faithful? Yes, he has. We got to trust that maybe he has something in store for us that's not exactly how we view it. It might be a little bit more different that God has for our lives. God's dreams are bigger than ours a lot of times. God's dreams are a little bit different, and, and we're so stubborn sometimes that it's got to be our way and it's got to be looking this way or it's a failure. And God says, No, I got other things moving in your life. Man, I was impressed with a story that reminded me of this. This last summer, we were up at family camp, Alexandria, and we had a speaker up there. His name was Kerry Willis. He was a wonderful pastor on the East Coast and um, did well in his church. But he's sharing that he had a dream for his son. One of his sons uh, was stricken with muscular dystrophy. And I think it's a disease that really just cripples you. And uh, a lot of times it just shows up in your body where, where you're just struggling through life, uh, uh, maybe um, with braces, and your body's kind of jerking around, and it's extraordinary struggle for the body just to get up and out of cars and in places and stuff, but it doesn't affect your, your mind and things. And, but so these parents and this pastor... I had a dream that maybe God would favor them, uh, that their son would be delivered from this disease. And, and of course, uh, the son was part of the church, and the, the son uh, came, fell in love with Christ, and he was highly involved. Everyone knew him in the church, and they would see him come in and, and always struggling with his disabilities, right? But he had a smile on his face, and, and he was doing his part. But, but there's always that desire, always that desire, God, I know you can heal I've seen people be healed. I know you can move mountains. 
You can touch my son's body. And, and can you imagine the, the, the magnitude of the, the glory that you would get by healing my son? People would know that. He would always pray. Well, now the son's at least 30 years old. Nothing's happened. And, and the church has taken a trip with some parishioners over to the Holy Land, where exactly where Christ walked. And, and uh, the dad knew the Bible and kind of knew the Holy Land. And, and he started realizing that, uh, that he was going to pass by the area, uh, the place where Jesus healed the lame man, the crippled man, much like his, his son. And the dad is praying and dreaming and saying, you know, Jesus, this would be an awesome place to do it again, right? And so they got to that place and the bus stopped and they got out and they were touring around. And, and so uh, they were in the pretty much the exact place. And so he called his son and they said, let's come over here. And he says, you know, son, this, this is the area where Jesus um, healed a crippled, uh, a person like you. And, and if he can do it, uh, let's pray together. And his son had full of faith. Yes, let's pray, dad. And so the, the dad sat there and they just got in their little corner and he prayed down glory that God would do it and prayed and there was tears and, and it was an emotional time and the hope. And, and then they went on their way. Nothing, nothing happened. So later that day, the group was kind of having lunch and there was a parishioner that was having lunch with this pastor. And she said, hey, by the way, I noticed that you uh, pulled your son aside and you guys were doing something praying over the corner. You know, what was going on? And so the, the pastor's like, well, I, I have to be honest with you that, that I was really praying for a miracle. Um, I believe God can. And this was the place that he, he delivered the lame person. And, and so we we're going to give it a try. And uh, just praying that God would get the glory and that people would realize how awesome God would with this amazing miracle, right? And the, and the parishioner looked at the, the pastor kind of confused and he said, Pastor, do you understand? He says, I don't understand how God could get any more glory from how your son models God in his weakness, in his disability. And right there, the pastor just got kicked back. That was not his dream, but he realized that God was getting the glory. It wasn't his exact dream. It wasn't his liking, but the dream was bigger than his own. That his son has been modeling exactly the glory of God. And now he's realizing that his dream doesn't always have to line up to what he purposely and specifically thinks, but God could use other ways. Sometimes it's yes, and sometimes it's no. But what could God do in the no? And then sometimes it's wait. To be still and be patient that I'm working on things. You know, one of the frustrating things about being human is that God seldom operates on our, our own calendar, our own clock. Have you ever noticed that, right? But his timing is always perfect. I remember as we were pursuing to relocate this church, right? We, we made some decisions and, and the courage. I think in 2008, the people were willing to see the vision and they voted as a membership. Let's sell the building. Let's raise some money. And so, man, we got excited and people were sacrificing and, and we had the plans, a new building and, uh, because we found this plot of land in, in 2009 and we were excited. And then 2010, historical recession and everything started shutting down. People started losing their, their jobs and we're like, wow, all right, well, maybe next year and maybe the next year. And it went on and on and on. It just seems like nothing was happening financially. We couldn't put the, the dots, the financial dots together. And frankly, it, it got discouraging. It got long suffering. Pretty soon people weren't even talking about relocating. We were just thinking about trying to survive. And, and the dream was dying. 
just being still. But could it be that God was working on me? Could it be God was working on our congregation? And I know now that God was setting up things to make our relocation to this spot in 2017 incredible. That we needed to wait on his timing and his will. But in the meantime, maybe he needed to grow me as a better leader, as a better pastor. Maybe he needed to humble me and help me to learn some things before we could go into this property. And I've learned through the year, he wants to do something in you before he's going to do something through you. Could it be that the reason he's waiting is that he wants you to learn to delight in him more? Could it be there's some maturing, have to learn about perseverance, learn about not giving up, learning about grit and faith and trusting God, that he still has to do some things in you, my friends, before he can do some things through you? This is not easy. It's a journey. Sometimes it's a grind, but it's the righteousness and the character that God is trying to form in you, not so much the great dream. When I was sitting there on the bench in high school, it didn't feel very good, but I committed my ways to God. I was going to do my best. About halfway through the season, on a Monday, the coach gathered up the team and said, I have an announcement. Uh, There's been a couple of the players that... um, uh, broke our policy. Uh, They were out partying over the weekend and drunk and stuff, and some teacher saw them or something like that, and you know that that, uh, if you simplify that kind of behavior, then then you're off the team. And there was three or four of these guys that were really good players, and one of them was the guy that was playing in front of me. He was off the team. The coach looked at me and said, Comfort, suit up. You're playing first during this fall, this Friday night. And sure enough, for a couple of games couple of games at the end of the season, I was running under lights. My name was announced. To God be the glory. That was a big deal in my life, right? But it was more about my character than my name being announced or, or, or that thrill of running out under the lights. But God has winning strategies if we do these four things. First of all, trust him. Delight in him. Commit to him. And be still. Now, my friends, I want to ask you this. Which one of these fours do you think that you might need to work on, right? Maybe God has given you a, a pleasure, a, a goal, a cause in your life, and uh, you need to learn to trust God. You don't see how it's going to fit, but you just got to trust God. Maybe God is calling you to, to love him more. He delights in you and to take time to delight in him. Maybe it's those nuances of just learning from his heart, reading his word, having maybe a a more consistent uh, prayer life in your life to delight in him. And there's someone that maybe God's saying, you got to let it go. You got somewhere you got to surrender and commit the dream to me. And then wait patiently to wait patiently. Maybe someone here or someone's watching, you've been waiting a long time. God, I don't see it. And King David gave us this roadmap that said, man, be still. Know that I'm God. Trust in me. I have a plan. And sometimes it's not that amazing thing that we discover, but maybe God is forming something because when he works in us, pretty soon we're okay with that. Because it's more about him than us. I want to encourage you to, to 
bow your heads as we kind of wrap it up here in prayer. Father God, I thank you that you make us all unique. Everyone here has some kind of goal or ambitions. Um, maybe it's simple. Maybe it might be even a little bit selfish. Maybe it'd be a, a great cause, God. Um, but you're going to work within them. And we know that, God, you're asking us to trust in you. Um, that we're going to acknowledge you in all our ways. And you're going to make our paths straight. You're calling us to delight in you, to trust in you. To be committed and commit these dreams to you. And to be still. I pray for the person that wants to give up on the dream. Feels like you might be so quiet or ignoring them. And you're wondering if the dream is still alive in their heart. Would you just remind them, God, that you haven't given up on them? That if it's true, that if it's your will, God, you will show little signs. You will encourage them and assure them, God, that there is a greater plan. Bless them and help us. And Father, we just ask all these things to do this spiritual um, development in our hearts by your Holy Spirit in your name. And we pray these things in your name. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you for watching us today. Thank you for worshiping with us today. And uh, may you have a great day. You're dismissed.